right, we're going to have <coughs> a fun night tonight. This, I think it's even going to be short. Don't hold me to it, but I may preach short tonight. The title of tonight's message is Knock Knock. Anyone know any knock knock jokes? Anyone a fan of knock knock jokes? I looked up a few and discovered that most knock knock jokes are really lame. Um, I was searching for one that wasn't lame, and I really don't think I found any that weren't lame. Uh, knock knock. Alex. I'll ask the questions around here. Uh, they're just, they're, they're, all, they're all lame. Um, my, my, my children, one's three and one's two, are obsessed with a knock-knock joke. They will constantly, they'll get in a roll and they'll just do it over and over and they'll just, Daddy, knock-knock. And they want to do it, but they forget to do the build-up most of the time. They just want to do the punchline. So it's knock-knock and it's supposed to be, who's there? And uh, respond with, banana. Banana who? Banana. Banana who? Banana. Banana who? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana? And, like, and they'll say it, and then they will laugh and laugh and laugh. But most of the time, they forget that they're supposed to ask, say banana first. So it's just like, knock, knock. Who's there? Orange, you didn't glad, glad I didn't say banana? Ah! And then the little two or three will just laugh and laugh and laugh. And you laugh because they're funny and the joke is ruined. But not like you, knock-knock jokes are that great to start with. But I got thinking about this as I was reading. I was like, all right, I'm going to do uh, the, the Bible in a year. I, was gonna, I grabbed one of the plans. Like, right, we're going to read through this as well with everybody. And so I, I was going through this, and I got to Genesis chapter 4, and I was reading the story of Cain and Abel. Anyone ever heard of Cain and Abel before? Okay. For those of you guys who either are too lazy to raise your hand or have never heard of them, I should inform you. Cain and Abel are brothers. Not only are they brothers, they're the first brothers. And as they are getting, I'm assuming they're getting a little bit older. I don't know how old they were. But they were old enough that Cain was, I think he was already married, so hopefully he was a little bit older. And uh, he was uh, keeping the ground, and uh, his brother, Abel, had a lot of sheep. And then through the course of time, they decided they were going to give an offering to God. Like, all right, we're going to honor God. And it says that, that um, Abel honored God with the first from his flock. So he took the, the first, he took the best, and he offered this to God. And it says in the course of time that Cain took some of his fruit, some of his stuff, and he went and offered it to God. And it says that God accepted Abel's offering. And I don't know exactly what that looked like. If it was like, hey, he said it there, like it instantly like burst into flames and went straight to heaven. Like, I don't know. But um, it was apparent that God accepted Abel's offering and didn't accept Cain's offering. And after, afterwards, Cain, it says, puts his head down. Uh, and, and God says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And I, and I read this, and I got thinking about what's at the door. And I, and I went back through this, this verse a few times. And, well, what? and there's a couple things that I caught that I just wanted to share with you guys. First off, I guess I should finish the story for those of you guys who don't know how the story ends. 
um, the next thing it says that Cain does is he goes out and finds his brother in a field and kills him. And then God's like, hey, where's your brother? And he's like, how am I supposed to know? Am I my brother's keeper? Like, his blood's calling out to me from the ground. Oh, crud. And, uh, and God tells him that that was a bad idea um, and that he's in trouble. And you can read the rest of the story in Genesis chapter 4. But I noticed something in here that God knew what he was struggling with. God knew what he was about to be tempted with before he even did, and God still loved him. And it's really easy sometimes to go through and to write ourselves off and to go, you know what? If God knew what I was dealing with, if they knew, there's no way that they could really like me or love me. And it's easy to, I don't know, who's ever made a mistake? Who's ever made a big mistake? Who's ever made a mistake and then felt like it would be hard to worship God or be close to God after that mistake? Okay. And for the rest of you, you hopefully you'll never do. Um, but it's, most of you guys raised your hand and said, you have already done something where afterwards you were like, it's hard to kind of come forward because you just, you feel like, how could I come up and worship God if I'm, if I did this and... God knew what was about to happen. And God didn't go, Hey, Cain, you suck. Just wanted you to know that you suck. And I hope you run into a tree. Like, there was... God comes up to him in love and goes, Hey, this isn't about I like your brother and I don't like you. This isn't duck, duck, goose. I like him. I don't like you. I'll pick someone else. He goes through and says, if you do what's right, won't it be accepted? And then he sits here and says that sin is crouching at the door. And, and he gives him almost a, a, like a warning and gives him a chance to make a better choice. And I got thinking about what is at the door. And I got thinking a little bit about the knock-knock joke with my, my son. And I got thinking about a story that I heard Jimmy Evans share a couple of years ago. 10 to 15 years ago, okay? So, a few years ago. Um, anyways, he went to Africa. I'm not supposed to put it up quite yet. <laughs> anyways, he went to Africa, and he was on a, like, safari stuff, and they were getting to see all these really cool animals, and they got some real basic instructions. Um, do what I tell you, or you might die, you know, kind of basic instructions. In amongst their, their rules was, hey, you know, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to see these animals, when we get back you're staying in this like little cabin and there's lots of little cabins throughout this place. And then there's the lodge, like the meeting place where they're going to have the cafeteria where they're going to cook and I'll come get you and take you there. It's not even a hundred yards, but you just wait until I come get you. And he, he went out and they said they had a cool day and he got to watch a bunch of lions and really cool. He had some other cool stories but he says they get back, and he, the guy drops them off at their um, little cabin and says, you know, hey, get cleaned up, get ready for dinner. I'll be back in a little bit, and I'll come get you guys. Well, they get ready for dinner, and a little bit comes, and the guide's not there. And five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes go by, and he's getting really impatient. And he's pacing around, and he's like, I'm hungry. I'm starving. We've been out all day. I want to eat. The guide said he's going to be back in just a couple minutes. It's been that plus 20 minutes. It's been that plus 30 minutes. It's, and finally, he's like starts to open the door, and he's looking out. And he's like, you know, I can see the lights from the cafeteria, mess hall, you know, the, the spot with the food. And he's like, I, I want to, you know, hey, should we just go over there? And his wife's like, no, we got to wait for him. Oh, I shut the door. Like, 
Like, it's one of those, like, irritated, you're just annoyed because you're really hungry. It has really nothing to do with the situation. It's just because you're hungry that you're um, unequally just upset about it. And he's just pacing back and forth, and he keeps just, like, kind of opening the door, peeking, and, oh, and waiting. And I want to say it was, it was at least 45 minutes. It may have been upwards of hours that the guide was late coming to get him, and he was quite um, displeased with the situation. And finally, the guide shows up. And he's like, man! And he goes, I've been waiting. There's been a leopard on your porch just laying a little ways off to the side from the door. You can put that picture up now. This is the leopard. For some of you guys who aren't real familiar with leopards, um, there's a leopard crouching, getting ready to attack. There he's actually attacking somebody. And then they're trying to shoot at him. Next picture. They're, they didn't succeed there. Um, there's them again, still trying to catch that leopard. That leopard took out 11 guys that were um, trying to take him down because he escaped from where he was supposed to be um, and was in where people were and were attacking people. So this leopard is not a kind creature. And as, as Jimmy was hearing this, he's like, oh my word. I almost died. In my impatience, I almost killed myself on accident. Like, I opened the door and was standing just inside of a door, feet away from a leopard. Leopards are not friendly. Leopards, the way that you hunt a leopard, most of the animals in Africa, you go hunt it. The leopard, you get a guy who's really good to track it. You get a gun and you get really ready. And you track it until it's sick of being tracked and turns around and tries to kill you. And when it comes at you, you shoot it before it kills you. Like, they're just not a nice creature. They, they, they kill things and eat things. And um, he's like, I opened the door and feet away, I, unbeknownst to me, there's a leopard. And I was thinking about just taking a walk over there to get the food. I would have been the food. Like, it's just this... This thing, I just didn't realize what is at the door. And God made this comment that sin is crouching at the door. And a lot of times we don't realize that the wages of sin is death. We don't realize what it is that's right there. And I'm like, well, is this the only time? Because I, I read this and I quick, actually I think I was um, listening to this on audio and I was like, oh wow. And so then I went, I was, I think I was listening to it and washing dishes. And then I got, went, got done. I went back and I was like, all right, it was in chapter four. And highlight this one. And I'm like, wait, I just started taking notes on this. I'm like, man, I swear this comes up somewhere else. Where else does, does the Bible talk about the sin that's just waiting, trying to, to take us down? And it's like, wait a second, Jesus talked to Peter. And he says, Simon, Simon, behold, this is Luke 22, verse 31. Um, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And I put this up from the English Standard Version because it's the only, or one of the only ones, that uses the word demand. The NIV, New King James, New Living Translation, all use the word asked. Satan asked to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Um, but when I, I looked it up, 
And the Strong's Concordance, it's a, a Greek word that I can't pronounce, which is all of them. But um, its definition, it is to demand for trial. It's saying that the Satan has demanded to try you. And I got thinking, okay, so he's going to try you. This opportunity, this, this chance is just right there. And Jesus again makes this comment going in verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith might not, may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Okay, for those of you guys who don't know how the rest of this story ends, Peter follows this up by saying, I'll never, never abandon you. And, and Jesus is like, you'll deny me before the rooster crows twice. And Peter denies him three times. The rooster crows twice. And he's like, oh, crud, I just did that. And then he goes off and cries. And, um, and later, Jesus sees him and Jesus forgives him. But Jesus forgives him before he even does it. Because Jesus looks at him and goes, oh yeah, Satan's asked to, uh, or demanded to sift you like wheat. And I prayed for you. When you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. When you get back up after you run into the wall, yeah, I know that's going to happen, but I still love you and I still have a plan for you. And sometimes we got to remember that in spite of the mistakes that we've made, that God still loves us. But as I was going through this, I got looking that, at this idea that there's this, there is temptation that's just there, that's just waiting. And, and as the story goes on in, in Matthew 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he gets um, betrayed, and he turns to his disciples, he turns to, to Peter, um, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. This is verse 40. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And I got thinking, he's going, all right, you need to get ready. You need to pray to get ready because there is temptation that is coming your way. There is temptation that is at the door. Do any of you guys remember the first few times your parents left you alone? Did you hear any noises? Anyone get freaked out? Okay, I was thinking about this, like sounds at the door, someone knocking at the door. And I remembered being a kid with my friend Jimmy. I was over at his house and his parents left. And left the two of us home alone. And I have no idea how old we were. My memories are not time-stamped. But we kept hearing different noises. Um, whether they were at the door and it was the wind blowing like the storm door or if it was just like the creaking of the house. We decided to get ready. And we made nunchucks and different weapons. And uh, like, <laughs> we got ready. And we were like all ready for whatever it was. And then we... Like, it happened once, and we made them, and then the next time, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we kept those, and you go in and got our weapons, and like, all right, what is it? I don't know, but we're ready. The only one we ever hurt with those things was ourselves. Like, Quah, bam, ah, but um, it, it was still good fun, but we, we were trying to get ready because we were sure that there was somebody there, and I got thinking about this, going, there's nothing wrong with being tempted. But what do you do when you're being tempted? Because Jesus said this is at the door. Um, Satan is demanding that he can try to sift you. He says that sin is crouching at the door. And I got thinking about this. Can you put up this next picture? So what do you do if you're home? You know, it's a knock, knock. 
You come to the door and you see this guy. And I, I couldn't, what I really wanted to find the pictures, I wanted to find somebody at the door like this, but with a large gun. Um, but I, uh, I couldn't find that picture, so I just went with this guy and said, you can picture him with a big machine gun. Okay, so, uh, yeah, he's got a crowbar, but let's picture the machine gun. And you walk around the corner, what do you do? Um, don't open the door. Okay, so someone's like, slam the door. No, don't open the door. See that door? It's got a window. You see through that window and you see the guy in all black with a mask and a machine gun? Don't open the door. Um, don't walk up to the door. Hey, Mr. Bad Guy on the other side of the window. How you doing? What you doing here? Why are you on my porch? With a mask over your face and a big gun. Are you here to bring me presents? <laughs> no, a much better plan would be as soon as you step around the corner and you see this, step back around the corner. Grab your phone, call the police, get a gun, and get ready. Okay, so, uh, no, don't be, if you're ordering a gun off eBay, it's too late. So, <laughs> Amazon Prime does not ship that fast. So you're going to want to be somewhere where he can't shoot you through the window, waiting with your gun, calling the police, and hiding. You do not just stand at the window and go, hey, hey, look, I got a gun too. Like, <laughs> if he wants to kill you, then he's going to go, yep, boom, like it's done. So you, you don't play that game. And, and I was thinking about this going, okay, so if Jesus says that sin is at the door, How many times do we end up in a mess because we go up to the door and we go, hey, look, there's sin at the door. And we like open the curtain, we're like, hey, what's up? What you doing? Oh, I'm not going to sin. I'm just going to talk to sin. I, I, I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to go to the party with everyone else who's going to drink. It's not like I'm going to do anything wrong. I know they are, but I, I'm not going to do anything wrong. I, I, I know that, that sex is for marriage, and we're not going to do anything. We're just going to hang out alone in our bedroom and start kissing and see what happens. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Okay, so we'll just leave that alone. Um, <laughs> you can fill in the blank. You're in high school. But so often, we end up in a mess because... Jesus said, sin is at the door, and we go up to the door and open, open the curtain and just stand there going, look, there's a villain trying to kill me. How you doing? And I got looking going, well, what should I do? What does the Bible say that I'm supposed to do? First Tim, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfast, and gentleness. Second Timothy 2, 22. Flee also from youthful lusts. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And as I was going through these, I realized that so often it's a matter of us flirting with sin. We sit there and go, well, I'm not actually going to, but I'm going to see how close to going to I can get without going to. I'm going to see how, how close to doing the thing I'm not supposed to do I can be without doing whatever that may be. And we wonder why we end up falling. 
we sit here and go, you know, I am not going to fall off the stage. I'm just going to get a little bit closer. I am not going to fall off the stage, but apparently I could get a little bit closer. I am not going to fall off the stage. I just need to get a little bit closer. I am not going to fall off the stage. I just need to get a little bit closer. When does this game end? Precisely. This game doesn't end until you fall. So what happens when instead of hearing the knock and heading away, calling the police, turning your back on it and going and praying as Jesus suggested, what happens when you sit there and flirt at the window? When does it end? When you fall. I got looking at Samson in the book of Judges because this is what marks Samson's life. The two, two, I guess there's three things that mark Samson's life. Number one, uber strong. Number two, always alone. And number three, constantly flirting with sin. And you find him pretty, like early on in his story, he sees a girl and she's really hot but she doesn't have a relationship with God. And she's from a, a people who serve uh, Dagon, who's like a merman. And I go, yay, you serve a merman. We live on the land. What's he going to do? Like, anyways. So they, they serve Dagon, the merman. And uh, he goes to his dad. He's like, hey, dad, get her for me. I want her as a wife. He's like, well, can't you find somebody who loves God? She looks good to me, was Samson's response. Um, yeah, but there's more to life than just looks. Looks are a great start, but you want something between the ears and you need a heart after God. So, um, guys, take note. There is more to, to a woman than just her appearance. Good looks are a good start, but a brain is required. And uh, so is a heart after the Lord. Anyway, so he goes through this and ends up getting burned. Um, and loses his wife to someone he paid to be his best man because he didn't have any friends. And then it just doesn't, it gets really ugly. So we fast forward and watch him again. Decides not to get in such a serious relationship with a girl. So he's sleeping with a prostitute. And it almost cost him his life. He ends up having to leave the city in the middle of the night. Rip the, rips the gates of the city out. Carries him on his back up a hill which is the equivalent of taking a garage door attached to two telephone poles, picking it up out of the ground and walking up the hill, which is kind of ridiculous. And there were soldiers waiting to attack him, but I figured they just kind of saw that and were going, uh, what do you do? Walk up to him. You're under arrest. Sure, catch. <laughs> Hold this. Like, so he, he just kind of walked his way out of that one. And, and we see him a little bit later. He, he ends up with this girl named Delilah. And as... He goes, he is so, he's been flirting with this sin so much, he is so hooked. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22 says that sin has cords, that it entangles us in the cords of sin when we play with sin. And he gets so wrapped up that she turns to him and goes, hey, there's a secret to your power. Tell me what the secret is. And so that means he didn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. If he looked just like larger than any man you've ever seen, just these gigantic muscles, you'd be like, the secret to your power is you've got big muscles. Like, 
But when you have somebody that looks normal that picks up like two telephone poles and a garage door and just like, hey, what's going on? You're like, that's not normal. Um, there's a secret. What's the secret? Is it Wheaties? Is it spinach? Like, what's going on? And he looks at her and he's like, well, if you were to tie me with seven new bowstrings, I'd become as weak as any other man. And you're like, well, that's weird, but hey, worth the job. Puts him to sleep, ties him up, wakes up. The Philistines are here. The Philistines are going to get you. When he just, what, snaps the things, beats the guys up. Sorry, I don't have a very good girly voice. But uh, he beats him up. So again, she's like, you don't love me. You lied to me. And I don't know why he didn't respond with, and you tried to have me killed. But she, she asks again, he's like, oh, just get me tied up with new robes. And they tried tying him up with new robes. He wakes up. He's tied up. The Philistines are there. Snaps the rope, beats the Philistines, and she's mad that he lied. Like, what is going on? And they go, oh, yeah, just tie my hair into a loom, and I'll become as weak as any other man. So he wakes up, and his hair is stuck in this giant contraption. He just gets up with the whole contraption stuck to his head and beats people up. And um, <laughs> she just goes on, and she's like, you don't love me. Here, uh, Judges chapter 16, verse 15. She said, she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Why don't you turn and go, you don't love me, you lying little woman that's tried to get me killed. Why is it that every time I tell you something, that thing happens to me with people trying to kill me when I wake up? I sense that you're evil. Like, really? This doesn't take a rocket scientist, but he was so caught He'd been playing this game so long that he told her that, hey, I've been dedicated to God my entire life, and as a sign of my dedication, I have never cut my hair. If my hair was to be cut, it would break my dedication to the Lord, and I would be as weak as an ordinary man. Guess what happens when he wakes up? He ain't got no hair. He's bald. And the Philistines are there. And he gets captured. He gets his eyes gouged out and he gets thrown in jail. And you can read the rest of the story for yourself. His story starts in Judges 13 and goes through Judges 16. But I got thinking about this. Who's knocking at your door? And what are you doing with it? Because there's constantly someone at your door. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. So we know that sin is often crouching at the door. And Jesus says, that, hey, I stand at the door and knock. Who are you letting in? Are you walking up and flirting with sin at the door? Or are you letting Jesus in? Are you hanging with him? Are you turning your back on sin or are you flirting with it? Knock, knock. Who's at your door? And if you say, you know what? I've never, I've never let God in. Maybe I let him in, but I kicked him out. And 
he kept telling me what to do. I didn't want to listen, so I kicked him out. He said, you know what, today I, w- I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want to answer to his knock. I want to shut the other door. I want to live for him. I want to give you a chance to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to let him in, to respond to his call. So go, can everyone go ahead and bow their heads, close their eyes. If you're here, say, today I want to do that. I want to let Jesus in. I want to know that I'm right with God on my way to heaven. I want to make him the Lord of my life. This is your chance. One, two, get ready. When I say three, to raise your hand. Three, raise up your hands nice and high. That's me. That's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. God, I thank you for each and every person here. God, that you strengthen us, that you help us to open the door to you, to turn, to flee from temptation, to not let it have any place in our lives. And that as we walk away, as we honor you with our lives, that that good things will come, that your will will be done in our lives. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.